0: This Pharaoh looking for two Doncaster straight. Can he do it again? Light up the world is getting up near the fence, but Pharaoh, Pharaoh, dash the lead from Abey Glennon. Light up the world, followed by Arrogent and Brave Warrior. But Gavinees goes for home on Pharaoh. Look at Arty Mary, Arty Mary, out of the back. This podcast is brought to you Faro by Racing New South Wales, Sky Faro, Racing, and Pride's Mary. Easy Third, Feed. First, Many Australian trainers have tried their horses on Pride's Racing Cube and have given the product a tick of approval. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube's set recipe formulation means the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Pride's Racing Cube is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at an economical price. Talk to your local rep about Racing Cube, another winner from the Pride's Easy Feed stable. Trainers of thoroughbreds, standard and performance horses are giving it the thumbs up all around the nation. From the moment young jockeys begin their apprenticeships, they're aware of the likelihood of accidents. Obviously, most boys and girls hope for a relatively trouble-free run, but are prepared for the inevitable setbacks and the frustrating layoffs. Few jockeys have endured more injuries and spent more time on the sidelines than Brock Ryan, who had to enter hospital for major shoulder surgery in April of this year. He resumed riding track work at Kembla Grange in late July after three months of intensive rehabilitation. His problems began just over a year ago when a horse slipped over and fell going onto the training track. Brock virtually landed on his feet but he made the decision to hang onto the reins in the hope he might be able to discourage the horse from getting away. He was wrong. The horse took off giving his left shoulder a sickening wrench. But in the immediate aftermath, Brock thought he'd gotten away with it. He had a big book of rides the following Saturday, including his old favourite counter-rupee in the missile stakes. He made it to Randwick, and thanks to a combination of adrenaline and panadine, he got through the day, albeit without a winner. On the way home, the shoulder began to ache unbearably and by next morning, the swelling was alarming. Doctors diagnosed a severe tearing of the labrum and a fracture to the humerus. They said surgery wasn't required but grounded him immediately for urgent physiotherapy. He came back with a winning double at Kembla Grange on Melbourne Cup Day Of last year, and he continued to ride for close to six months, by which time surgery was inevitable. During the most recent absence, he and partner, Jockey Madison Waters, have become the proud parents of a baby boy called Parker, who's just four months old. Let's catch up with Brock Ryan. Good morning, Dad.
1: Good morning. How are you?
0: Good, Brock. Lovely to have you on the podcast. You were telling me before we came on that that little bloke is a great sleeper. A jockey needs that badly.
1: Yeah, we sure do. We already get minimal sleep, so for him to be such a good sleeper already, it's brilliant. really helps me out.
0: It must have been great therapy to have that little bloke around during this rehabilitation.
1: Oh, yeah, most definitely, Um you know, obviously, when you're down, when you're out of the saddle, you get a bit down. And um, watching the boys go around and have success, and you're sitting on the couch, busted up. But mm. yeah, it's been it's been great. To, I've got to have that quality time, that early bonding moments with the young fella. And yeah, it's just as much as it's been hard not riding, it's been awesome being around around him in the early days, which a lot of dads probably don't get to do.
0: Yeah, how do you go in the nappy changing department?
1: Um, oh, good at it now. I think <laughs> the first I got away with it the first couple of weeks because I was still in my sling, so I had a good excuse. I couldn't do it one handed. But um, <laughs> no, we've um, I've definitely had to do a few now. <laughs> and
0: what of Madison's transition into motherhood? How is she handling a very dramatic change of lifestyle?
1: I think she's coping pretty well. Um, obviously it's you know it's it's big change for both of us, but um. She's a bit of a natural, so so to speak. I think, yeah. and she's uh, she's got seven young younger brothers herself, so oh. she's had a she's had a good grounding with with you know young children already.
2: Mm.
0: You know, by an amazing quirk of fate, just after you first hurt that shoulder, Madison suffered a knee injury in a race fall at Wagga. So you were both on the sidelines at the same time. It wasn't actually a fall. I think a horse jumped awkwardly with her and gave her knee a bad wrench. Now, one year later, things are very different. Motherhood has put Madison's riding career on a long-term hold, obviously. But has she given you even a hint that she might like to ride again?
1: Yeah, she's um, definitely... uh, She's got the... Got the bug back and I think being away from it this long, you know, shes you can see she's itching to get back out there and um, she's just started back doing a couple of afternoons with the horses. Yeah. Uh, she's missing the horses a lot, so she's just doing some stable hand duties at the moment. Um, mm. But I'm, I'm sure as soon as she feels the time's right, I'm sure she'll be back out there. She's pretty hungry again, I reckon.
0: How will you feel about that?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be too keen on it. But, <laughs> no. mm-hmm. but um, you know, that's that's what makes her happy and that's her passion and you've got to let her get out there and do it. Mm. Can't hold her back.
0: You had the surgery in the famous Sand Hospital at Warunga in Sydney. Now, Brock, yep. people will be interested. In the simplest terms, what did they do to give you
2: a
1: new shoulder? Yeah, so like you said, the, I had a pretty substantial tear in the labrum. Mm-hmm. If you look at the labrum, it's it's like a thick cartilage cup that holds your shoulder in place. Mm-hmm. If you look at the top of your shoulder like a ball, and the la- la- labrum's like a thick cartilage cup that stabilises it, yeah. keeps it in place. So it had a big tear. So obviously my shoulder became very loose, um, very restricted range of movement. And you know certain movements that actually pop out of the joint. So they go in keyhole surgery to the labrum and they just shave it and clean it up. Mm. And then and then they just put four anchors, like little clamps, yeah. to bring to bring the tear back together and re-stabilize the shoulder joint.
0: Mm. And yeah. does it feel normal to you?
1: It does, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yep, it feels perfectly fine now.
0: Most jockeys coming back to track work after a long time off find it pretty hard work, but you tell me you did a fair bit of work in preparation for this. You were getting to the gym.
1: Yep. Yeah. So obviously did a lot of physio to strengthen my shoulder up first. Um, but once my physio felt I was strong enough, he started pushing me to do a bit bit of weights with it with it um you know chin-ups um holding my own body weight push-ups things like that and then Mm. uh started weights overhead and then because it's only the shoulder joint it it was stable i was allowed to do a lot of running um and i got back in the water and did a lot of swimming in the swimming pool as well so i had that nothing's like riding a horse and i know every jockey or every track rider will tell you that but um Mm. i had a good grounding leading up to that and and it's it definitely helped. You don't feel as sore, no way.
0: Mm. Well, you've been very careful in planning your comeback. I know you're taking things very slowly. What sort of time frame are we looking at before you're back on race day?
1: Um, we're pro- I'm probably looking at the next, probably next weekend, or mm. which will be the 26th and the 27th mm. of August, um, and if, if not, that weekend it'll be definitely the weekend after so within the two or three weeks you know I've got a few barrier trials again on Friday um then I've got another set of barrier trials on Wednesday week um and then Mm. I feel as though I should be all right to get back get back racing
0: I hope your great supporters Rob and Luke Price have got one tuned right up for you
1: Yeah, yeah. that's another reason we've got to wait, trying to find something that can come back with a bang. It's always good to get straight back in people's eyes and Mm. and people don't have doubt in you then. Usually when you you come back from injury, people doubt you a little bit and they'll just Mm. be a bit hesitant to put you on. But, Mm. um, you will try and find one to come back with a bang for sure.
0: Brock, your start in racing is a great story. You were born in Wollongong, but at around about 12 years of age, you moved to beautiful Yamba, right at the mouth of the Clarence River. Here, your love of surfing quickly developed, and that's not surprising because your mum, Sandy, reached a very high level in the sport. Yeah,
1: yeah that's right. Um, obviously, y- Yamba's is well known as a surfing and fishing hub, you know, a beautiful place to grow up and... Like you said, Mum was, she was, oh, she reached world number one in mm. the surfing ranks there at one point, along with Lane Beachley, and world number name. one, did she? Well, yeah, yeah, she was, she was, um, she was going there, and then she had a mm. little setback. She was actually going to be fighting for the title, but she mm. wasn't able to compete. Um, had a bit of a setback, so mm. missed a big opportunity. But you know, she won a, won a lot of surfing events all across the world, and. Um, yeah, so obviously it was in my blood, and yeah, and growing up Yamba, I had no choice but but to be a surfer. <laughs>
0: mm, and does Mum still participate?
1: Um, on the odd occasion, she would get out there, but I think maybe she lost that passion for it, just competing so much all the time, mm. traveling the world, and um, she ventured off to be a nurse, and she really mm. enjoys her nursing, and mm. um, yeah, she's really focused on that for a lot of years.
0: When it was time to earn a quid, you got a job in a local caravan park, and that job embraced a traineeship in holiday park and resort management. It was a good opportunity, but you couldn't settle into it at all.
1: Nah, no, that's right. It was it was a, a great opportunity at the end because there's pretty scarce jobs up job, job opportunity up there for. Mm. young fellas and um it was great it, it was a good job you, know, you look back at it and you, you know it was a good job like cruising, you know you clean your pools and you mow your lawns and you know clock off at three in the afternoon and it was a good, good cruising job but you know I just mm. I felt bored so to speak mm. um you know you just do the same old thing and um yeah I just sort of thought I might while I'm young venture out and try something new um
2: mm.
0: Well, this is where your story becomes a fairy tale. You're having a drink with mates one day at a local pub when a sky-racing television monitor happened to catch your eye. There was a race running somewhere in Australia, so you went over for a closer look. Can you remember what was it that grabbed your attention?
1: Um, I couldn't put it single thing to it but um you know it just drew me in that the racing and the, the you know the high high competitiveness of it and the you mm. know I always thought obviously it's going to be a massive adrenaline rush being out there and mm. all the all those horses and jockeys riding tight and um yeah I'd always all, all my mates had always they loved to punt and they always used to say to me I should be out there doing it because um, I was only I, was early, I wouldn't have even been five foot yet, so I suppose. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they would, you know, they'd always give it to me and say I was an angry little hungry bugger and I should be out there <laughs> having, having a crack. So, um, yeah. you
2: know,
1: yeah, you listen to your mates and sometimes it works out.
0: Yeah, well, your brain went into overdrive. You got yeah. a family friend to drive you over to Grafton early one morning to watch the track work. And I think yep. you spoke to a few trainers too.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. That that was a real moment that you know it, it grabbed me. Then I reckon. Um,
0: Do you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was just one of those you know those foggy mornings and all the horses you know they, it was cold and they were just you know steaming after the after the gallops and
2: mm.
1: uh, it was just a real good vibe and um, walked into a few trainers like John John Shelton Stables and. Mm. Um, had a good chat and they told me sort of what what it enti- entailed, how to mm. get get to be an apprentice, and um, you know since that morning it was just always in my mind.
0: Yeah, that was the defining morning. Yeah, now, I
1: reckon for sure.
0: Driving back to Yamba, you you were pretty fired up. So yeah, you, you got an idea uh, from an uncle. Uh, of yours who happened to have shares in horses with a trainer called Gary Colvin at Wagga, and it was Gary Colvin, you must have called him, he recommended a Kembler trainer. Yeah. Yeah, that was
1: right. That's my, my uncle Adam. Uh, give him a mention because he obviously kick started me as well. And mm. um, yeah, he, he still has horses with Gary. He's got another one, which is a pretty handy horse at the moment. Oh, um, won,
0: the, won the country championship.
1: Won the country championships with Nick mm. Haywood. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he got me in touch with Gary Colvin, and Gary pretty much said, You want to have a real crack don't come to Wagga, he said, because you'll have Mm. to ride 50 or 60 winners before anyone even notices you. Um, And he said, I I think you should go into Granger Provincial Track and Mm. um, you'll get noticed quicker and, um, you know, if you're any good, you'll definitely get off to a better start. So he set me up with Paul or Beat and Paul Murray.
2: Mm.
1: Um, And, yeah, I just got in contact with Paul and, and it sort of snowballed from there.
0: Brock, mm. right. you were a late starter. I think you were about 20 then, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I was, just, I was 19 to mm. 20, just a couple of months off 20. Mm. Yeah, which is very late. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. okay.
0: Well, you were very fortunate uh, to lob into the Paul Murray stable uh, because he was very supportive. Now, you had a bit of a start on a lot of kids going into stables because you had the luxury of living with your grandparents in Wollongong. That must have helped to stem the homesickness a bit.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Um, you know, I can't thank my grandparents enough. I lived with them for, for, for six, maybe seven years I was down here. Hmm. Yeah, it was just good, you know, you have that family, still have that family with you. Yeah. Um, and Nan and Pop just pretty much did everything for
2: me. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Sound, I look back at that and think, geez, I was pretty slack now out in the, you know, living by yourself and that. But, yeah, yeah it was good, you know, come home to a home-cooked meal and oh, you God, wash, was you're washing and you... <laughs> spoiled, spoiled rotten. <laughs> yeah, I was spoiled rotten, but um, <laughs> I, soaked, I soaked it up. <laughs>
0: yeah, oh, yeah, wonderful. But,
1: yeah, no, it was definitely good to have that family support still there with you.
0: Yeah. Now, we've got to remember something here. You hadn't ridden a horse in your life up to this point in time, so you had to start from scratch. Now, a yeah. neighbouring trainer down there at Kembler, Donna Grisdale, offered you the use of a retired racehorse which you could saddle up and ride in the sand roll every day. So you were virtually self-taught, at least with the fundamentals.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was... Um bit of an I know I knew nothing obviously about racing at all and when I first went to the stables I, I went down there pretty much in a suit dress pants button-up shirt thinking <laughs> I was going for an, going for an interview dress shoes and Paul Murray said yeah I'll teach you how to put a head collar on a horse and pick its feet out and then the next minute I was swimming a horse all in my first afternoon where I thought I was going for an interview so <laughs> it's mm. pretty funny but um yeah then we I obviously didn't learn to do just the boxes and Hosing yeah. down horses and that for a couple of months, and then, yeah, Donna kindly passed on one of her retired horses, and mm. um, yeah, the stable, obviously the stable staff and track riders and Paul, they all helped me. It was yeah. Early days, just even just to saddle up and and walk yeah. up to the sand roll, and then I'd get legged up, and
2: mm.
1: yeah, had pretty much self taught. Yeah, you, you have a lot of people telling you different things at that stage, Hmm. what to do. Um, You sort of just take bits and pieces off everyone and work work it out. Yeah. Sort it out for yourself. That mayor of
0: Donna Grisdale's wasn't bomb-proof either, was she? I think she dropped you once or twice.
1: She dropped me nearly every day. (laughs) I I don't know if you reckon she was quiet, but. I still look back at it now and I think there's no way that horse was quiet because mm. horses don't – <laughs> she'd go in the roll and pig root and drop her head and whip around and, mm. you know, she'd get me off at least three times a week, I'd say. But oh, It's probably a good thing to teach you to sit on or
2: yeah.
1: a bit better. But, um, yeah, I don't think she was that quiet.
0: <laughs> no, no, not at all. I love the story about your first barrier trial. You were at Wagga races one day, strapping horses for your boss, Paul Murray, when another trainer, Scott Spackman, came along and offered you a ride in an official trial to be run after the last race. You actually won that trial, but your elation was short-lived when you went to get your card
1: marked. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, yeah. Yeah, no, it was a bit of a... um. Bit of a funny moment when you look back at it now, but um, as yeah, yeah, I won the Barry Trial and I was obviously stoked and on a good on a big high and mm-hmm. um, yeah, we went went in to get my card and the steward said that was not quite two lengths when you went across that horse.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, you flattened
1: just, somebody. Might have, I might have just shortened someone up <laughs> a bit at the start of the trial and
2: yeah.
1: obviously got I got a big X next to that trial, but um.
0: Yeah, that's just racing, isn't it? Well, of course it is. Well, Brock, you were disappointed enough after winning that trial at Wagga, but that disappointment was nothing compared to the events of the very next morning. You were coming back to the stables on a horse called Life of Riley when you found yourself on a collision course with a bolting horse. Now, your Mount Shide crashed into a fence threw you heavily and then had the hide to fall on top of you. Result, a broken pelvis. It was five months before you were back in the saddle.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a real kick in the guts. The next morning I'd actually finished track work and I think they called the – from memory they ended up calling the races off at Canberra Grange that morning Mm. um, because the track was too wet or something and – and Bede said, "Put your gear back on and get back out there and work this horse, because life of Riley was meant to be racing that day." So I went out and went around and did my work. And I was coming off the track and I was just in a in a real really tight corner where you come off the track and a, a rider had fell off behind me and mm. the horse come bolting and it pretty much just cornered me into this corner and my horse spooked and reared up and I probably it, it was it was a, that quick of a rear it just pulled flip straight over on top of me and yeah. crunch me. Um, mm. And, yeah, it was not a nice pain. It was nearly the worst pain I've felt, I think, to this really? day. It's, yeah, I felt like spewing and mm. I ended up – I actually walked back to the stables that morning. And, Did you? Um, yeah, not knowing. Mm. Um, it was just, you know, real excruciating pain all around the lower back and around mm. your pelvis area and um, – yeah, I sat down. Bede gave me a couple of Panadol. And <laughs>
0: Good old Bede. Good old
1: Bede. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. yeah, had a couple of Panadol, son, and mm. had a few deep breaths and sat in the tack room there for half an hour. And then one of the fellow track work riders drove me into Wollongong Hospital and, mm. yeah, broken pelvis three, uh, oh, three yeah. places. Yeah. yeah. Goodness me. Yeah.
0: Moving right ahead now to your first race ride. It was at the Sapphire Coast. 3rd of November 2015, you ran second in a four-horse field on Regal Rush and you were pretty chuffed. It was actually the day Michelle Payne won the Melbourne Cup on Prince of Penzance.
1: Yep, remember it quite clearly. Um, So obviously, yeah, ran second at give Troy Phillips who's a great mate of mine you'd Mm. probably remember him oh I
0: know him well yeah
1: he's he taught me a lot to get to that point of race riding and beat me ahead on the line in my first race ride it was Troy Phillips down the outside got Mm. me straight on the line and he won the race and we were Mm. the only two boy uh, male jockeys there on the day and Mm. um yeah I remember it clear as day and Went back in there and said, thanks for that, mate.
2: <laughs>
1: he, said, yeah. and he said, there's no mates out there. No. He got, he got the win and I run second. And, yeah, I remember Michelle winning the cup that day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Troy is still riding work, although I hear on the grapevine he had a track fall himself recently.
1: Yeah, he's um, he's still out there riding track, work. Is he? Um, mm. Yeah. I think he's, a, he's got a bit of a new going back at the moment, but um, he's still out there. He may you know, be doing anywhere between 12 and 15 in the morning. Oh, good on him. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, two weeks after that, you opened your account for a trainer called Bruce Stewart on a horse called Casanova at a place called Adaminibi, the track that doubled as Agua Caliente in the famous Farlap movie. Well, Casanova was no far-lap, Brock, but you thought he was pretty special on the day.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, he was actually a, he was a ripper little horse. Um, I think oh, he would have been still – he would have been getting on a bit at that age. I, I think he was about 10-year-old mm. or something then, yeah. one on him. He? Um, but he was just such a good ride, for, especially for a kid Where like where at that point where I was at. He was just a lovely, quiet little, little horse and um, – Pretty much a sit and steer job for me there that day, and mm. here's your yeah, air's great. Um, I just love getting out there; those little country tracks are awesome. Yeah. I'll always I'll always remember that, yeah, you know, that day for the rest of my life probably.
2: Yeah. yeah it
1: was great. Yeah, yeah. And Australia's
0: answer to Agua Caliente. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful little track out of Yeah.
0: <laughs> you won a race one day on a budding top liner. It was early in 2016 at the Sapphire Coast. You still had a four-kilo claim, of course, and you won on a horse called Jungle Edge who was then trained by Michelle Strickland. This horse later went to a Victorian stable, Mick Bell, and won six stakes races. How did he feel to you on the day?
1: He felt Pretty bloody strong, I will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> <Did he? laughs> I'd obviously hadn't rode rode many good horses at that stage, so mm. I still was getting my judgment, you know, um, of what's good horse and, and what's not. But um, yeah, he was. He just mo- it was a it was a wet track, and he went on to become probably one of Australia's best wet trackers, really, mm. at that when he was racing at that time. Yeah, he was just a mud and. Yeah, I had my four kilos, so jumped straight to the front and just dragged me the whole way. I, I think I didn't even have to move on him. I might have just pushed him hands and heels the last 50 metres and mm. won by a big space, but I couldn't pull him up. I actually ran into the fence around the back corner because I couldn't pull him <laughs> up, and I thought I'll steering towards the outside fence and he might stop. Otherwise, I felt like I was going another lap. You know?
0: Yeah, and <laughs> he, he obviously he, did.
1: <laughs> he did. He, he nudged yeah. the fence and then he pulled up and... Yeah, went back to scale but, yeah, he was a big, strong-headed horse and, yeah, you yeah, give me a good feel that day for sure.
0: The late Gwenda Markwell took a real interest in your progress and with Paul Murray's blessing, you actually had your indentures transferred to Gwenda who had a pretty big team of horses in work at the time. She was very good to you, Brock, wasn't she? She let you go to the bush whenever an opportunity came up.
1: Yeah, she was great. Um, she's a massive part of my career, Gwenda, and, um, you know, she's, she did so much for me and put me on so many winners early days, um, even bug like, I'd rode a few winners, only a few winners in the country, and mm-hmm. she bugged the stewards to let me pr- ride at the provincials because, you know, in that time, um, probably not so much these days, but you mm. um, had to ride a certain amount of winners in the country to come to the provincials and I'd only rode a handful and she was telling him, he's good enough to be here, he's good enough oh, to be yeah, here <laughs> and, good and put it. me on my first provincial winner there. And, mm. um, it just probably just had, it took me to that next step quicker than, um, it, you know, probably if I waited around at the country a bit longer. Yeah. Um, but she sort of just, you know, she pushed pushed things a bit for me and got me going a lot more, I think.
0: There was one occasion when you wished you hadn't gone to the bush. It was Wellington Boot Day 2017 and a horse fell with you after passing the winning post. It put you in Dubbo Hospital with a broken shoulder. Not the same shoulder, I hope.
1: No, that was the other one. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> That was the other one. Yeah, that's right. It was Wellington. Um, I think it was boot day. When, yeah, it was, yeah. I think it was boot day, yeah, and um, in 2017. And, um, yeah, horse um, just clipped heels right on the winning post. I just got tightened up um, right at the finish and yeah, um, clipped heels and come down. And yeah. I think the horse – might have done a fair injury to itself, and mm. I woke I woke up, un, like I was unconscious, and I woke up, and the horse was still laying on top of me there, and then it started kicking out at me and thrashing around, and mm. I remember people saying, "Don't move him, don't move him," and then I think it was Jimmy James Innes Junior.
2: Yeah. He
1: come in and just dragged me out from underneath the horse. He said, <laughs> G- <laughs> "Jimmy Innes did." Yeah, Jimmy Innes. Is, <laughs> a lot of people didn't want to move me because they thought I might have done neck injury way mm. I fell with, um, he, the horse was kicking out. I think it even got me in the side of the head at one stage. And oh, dear. He, he, yeah, he dragged me out. getting <laughs> yeah. out of there, <laughs> getting knocked around.
0: <laughs> He's lacking a bit in bedside manner, Jimmy. He just grabbed you and dragged you yeah, out.
1: Yeah, he just dragged me <laughs> <dragging> <laughs> out. He'll tell you that. If you, I reckon he'll remember it clear as day, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, but ended up in Dudlow Hospital and mm. spent the night in there. They wanted wanted to operate on me straight away, and I said, oh, I think I might get back into Sydney first and get it checked out.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you I'm, did I'm that? Really
1: gl- I'm really glad I did, yeah. Nan and Pop drove up all the way up from Wollongong and picked mm. me up the next the next morning and oh. got me back to Sydney. Two days later, got checked out with mm. Dr Duckworth.
0: Wonderful people, eh, hey? Nan and Pop? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were always there at a phone call.
0: <laughs> well, Brock, it was a former Prime Minister, Malcolm Fraser, who said... Life wasn't meant to be easy and he wasn't kidding. When you got back, Gwenda Markwell was enormously supportive and the winners started to flow pretty quickly. You were having a great trot when one of Gwenda's slipped and fell in track work one morning and out you go again with a broken ankle. You must have been wishing by then you'd stayed at the caravan park at Yamba. (laughs)
1: Yeah, there was a couple of times there. I was nearly dialing the number to see if I still had a job back up there. But um, yeah, like you said, Gwenda obviously got me rolling again and had plenty of luck there at Kembla home track and a few country tracks down here and confidence was building and then just one of those little roly-poly horses where the saddle rolls around on them and no fault mm. of anyone's. It, the, you know, all the gear was done up tight enough, but the mm. horse—it just sidestepped it right at the gap where you come on the track when I was galloping, um, mm. and yeah, it just shied, and the horse—the uh, saddle rolled underneath its belly, and I went straight uh, down with it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was laying there with a pretty broken ankle. <laughs> mm. So yeah, um, obviously that was the next—the next setback.
0: Yep. Brock, I'll get you to stand by for a moment while we clear a commitment on the podcast. When we come back, we'll talk about another medical issue that had absolutely nothing to do with horses. Back with Brock Ryan after this. Ticket sales are humming along for the 2023 Kosciuszko sweepstakes. 14 lucky ticket holders will get to share in the $2 million prize money on offer for this year's edition of the world's richest race for country and ACT trained horses. $5 sweepstake tickets are available until the 6th of September via the Tab app, local pubs and clubs, TAB agencies and at New South Wales Race Meeting. 14 winners will be drawn on Friday September the 8th and those winners will be in a position to offer their slots to the owner or owners of one of the Kosciuszko runners. Slot holders and owners will negotiate a prize money split suitable to both parties. It's hard to believe five years have passed since the Grafton train Bell Flyer won the first Kosciuszko on a heavy track. 2019 it was the Canberra train to handle the truth. 2020 the Scone Mayor, it's me, who finished very fast to win the big race. 2021, Arca became the only horse to win the Country Championship Kosciuszko Double. Last year, the Wagga train front page was an impressive winner and is expected to line up again in 2023. Ticket sales close September the 6th. Draw will be held on September the 8th and will be broadcast live on Sky Thoroughbred Central and Racing New South Wales.com.au. My special guest is Brock Ryan. Well, the next setback was not a horse related. You were conscious of discomfort in the groin and that was diagnosed as tendonitis. Now this troubled you greatly whenever you tried to squat and that's the last thing a jockey needs.
1: Yep, that's right. <laughs> it was, it was, it doesn't sound that serious, but geez, it was painful, um, mm. Yeah, you know, those tendons that run all the way from your groin down to behind your knee, mm. um, they were all inflamed, um, and it was painful. Obviously, I couldn't I couldn't sit in a saddle, mm. couldn't squat to ride a horse, and that set me back another two months just oh. to to bring the inflammation down in those and um, acupuncture and icing and physio and had to yeah build it back. Build the strength back up after that. But, yeah, it wasn't really pleasant. And they don't even know where it come from. It, mm. If it was just another um, flare-up from the pelvis injury, if it, if it was mm. just a bit unstable um, and they had been overworking or what. But, um, mm. anyways, we got that better and got back on the track.
0: <laughs> mm. We're going to talk about a low point in your life, Brock, and I know you won't mind my bringing it up. Not long after the tendonitis episode – You were loaned out to John O'Shea for a taste of city life and that didn't suit you one iota. Not only were you very unsettled, but during this period you failed a breathalyser test and it actually cost you your driver's licence at that stage. It was a very remorseful apprentice who terminated his arrangement with John O'Shea two weeks early and turned his back on racing for a while. You went back to Yamba, you got the old surfboard out of the shed.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, obviously not a proudest moment, but, um, yeah, I just got pretty unhappy living in the city and, um, yeah, I just wasn't happy with the way I was riding, wasn't happy with the job where I was living, nothing, and it probably just built up a bit and, mm. I'd actually, I went to see a friend at Manly and caught up with him, that guy I grew up with at Yamba and um, mm. had a few few too many drinks and drove back to back to go to the work the next morning um, on a Sunday morning shift and got mm. pulled over and blew, yeah, mid-range, which is still pretty, obviously very high and mm. um, lost my licence on the spot and oh just, spir- just spiralled from there and, Anyways, I thought the best thing for me is just to go back to my grassroots, so to speak, and mm. got back up Yamba, spent some time with dad, and got the couple surfboards in a board bag, and bought a ticket to Bali with my brother, and mm. we just went went for a surfing trip, and just spent some good times with my brother, and yeah, up yeah. home, and yeah, it's just good, cleared the mind, and
0: yeah,
1: and then got the got the hunger back.
0: But it, you were missing racing, weren't you? you? More than you expected to.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, probably at that point, I was thinking whether I'd even come back or not. Um, hmm. Obviously, had a pretty rough, tr- rough trot with injuries, and then and then that um, incident on top of all that, and thought, is it really worth it? And yeah, um, yeah, I just got back up there, but I think everyone will tell you once racing's in your blood, it's there and um, yeah, I just I missed it and couldn't stop watching it while I was off, and mm. yeah, I got definitely got hungry and wanted to get back to it.
0: You've had a wonderful association with Rob and Luke Price, who've given you some of your career highlights. Luke has become your unofficial tutor, in many ways. He's written a lot of track work with you, and given you many wonderful pointers. Good rider himself too. He rode 110 winners before weight caught up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They've been both Rob and Luke massive supporters and and obviously got to give most of my thanks to them for getting me going again, I reckon. Um, Come back to them and spent spent a few months getting fit again and um, Mm. yeah, just got me back on track and got me a few winners and yeah, Luke's been massive help. Obviously, most people know Luke was a very good apprentice himself. And mm. like I said, he's, he's quite tall and um, he had a bad neck injury as well, which mm. probably didn't help his cause. And um, yeah, he's had to give it away. And I'm telling you now, he wishes he's still out there riding, I reckon. Oh, <laughs> he loves yeah. it. He oh. loves it. <laughs> 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 I haven't seen many people that love racing as much as him. And um, yeah, it's just been good because that. Probably flows through to me now and um, ride and work with him every morning and, and, you know, even discussing this race and whether it's a race in Sydney or now or whatever. You know, he's always messaging me, Did you see that? Did you see that? What what do you reckon he should have done here? And Mm. uh, what do you reckon he should have done here and stuff like that? And um, Mm. yeah, so it's just, yeah, it's good, good to have someone like that by his side.
0: At the end of two thousand and eighteen, Team Hawks took a shine to you, and they used your three kilo claim on a horse called Reflectivity at Rose Hill. That was a very important win for you.
1: It was, yeah. Um, that was massive. You know, it only just just come back from that setback, and um, mm. and yeah, it was just, just get straight back on, or not straight, you know, more or less straight back on the board with a with a win for a massive Sydney stable like that and mm. such a well-respected team. It was, you know, it was huge for me. It put me in the, back in people's eyes a bit. And, um, mm. yeah, it was a it was just a really good day.
0: Team Hawks also put you on a horse called Capperjack around the same time. You rode him twice for one win at Rose Hill. And to this day, Brock, you say... He was one of the best horses you've been on. He went amiss, didn't he, after only a few starts?
1: Yeah, he did. Um, I don't know how many starts. He probably only would have had half a dozen or so starts, I think, from memory. But mm. he was definitely building to be a higher horse, I think. Um, yeah, he, just, he was dominant the day I won on him at Rose Hill. He just put himself right there on speed and just powered away from him, um, put about three or four lengths on him under Mm. not much riding and he just felt like a good horse. He just had a good horse's attitude, Um, really laid back pre-race and then he just banged straight out the gates into the bridle and Mm. had a really good turn of foot. So it's a shame they lost him but, um, yeah, I reckon he was a pretty good horse.
0: Mm. Let's fast forward to 2021 and a time of highs and lows. You won a two-year-old maiden at Kembler on Jamia. Followed by a second in the long row plate. She ran a nice sixth in the Sweet Embrace. Her next run was to be in the Magic Night, and should she make the Golden Slipper Field, you were the jockey. Oh, yeah. Lady Luck wasn't going to let you have that luxury. On the <laughs> Tuesday morning before the Magic Night, you're going onto the track to work one. When it rears up, it tumbles over backwards, and it fractures your tibia and one ankle. Absolutely unbelievably bad luck.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's just my life. Yeah, <laughs> oh, okay. um, you know, yeah. It's obviously she's such a good filly, and and we we knew it from the start, and mm. um, yeah, it was it was building towards a golden slip of preparation. Um, and obviously, yeah, just the Thursday morning before this, the, I think it was the Thursday morning before the mm. the magic night. Yeah. That horse just bang took me down and <laughs> yeah. here we go off to hospital again and <laughs> yeah. yeah, getting all the, what, what recovery this, how long is this recovery going to be? And mm. yeah, it, it That one hurt a bit because, you know, like I'd pretty much rode her from the breakers all the way through and formed a good, good little bond with her and and Mm. things were going really good. And, um, yeah, it would have been amazing to ride her in a golden slipper, but, yeah. Anyways. Well, thank goodness
0: you got to win a decent race on her later on. You won the group two, the T Rose Stakes, and everybody in racing was thrilled to see it.
1: Yeah, that's right. That was a bit of, um, what was it called? bit of an elation, yeah, it was good. Um, you know, it was another comeback and and to get back on her and mm. I think you know Tommy had been riding her, and he'd had a bit of luck on her, but um mm. the boys stuck solid and put me back on her and yeah, and we and we got that it was a pretty good win, you know, we were right back in the field and got mm. to the outside and she she let rip down the outside and just got her nose down on the line, and mm. that was my first my first group winner. Um, My partner Maddie strapped it, so it was was a pretty good day for all of us.
0: Well, there was an even better one at Rose Hill just over two years ago. The day you rode four winners for four different trainers. So say you, chat, no compromise and Cuban Royale. That doesn't happen every week.
1: No, no way. That's definitely one of my best days on the race call. If not the best, um, close to it, anyways. But yeah, mm. such a good day for any apprentice to ride, ride four winners, and it's just awesome, you know. And mm. all that, yeah, four different trainers, and just when you got your eye in, they're running for you, they're running for you, I suppose. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they save it. yeah, it was just, it was good. And obviously, John Thompson, Chris Waller. Mm. Uh, and then then you got my local supporters Gary Robinson and, and Robin and Luke. So oh, it was good. It was just an all good, all, all round day.
0: Mm. You continued on later with Chat and Cuban Royale. You finished up winning stakes races on both of them.
1: Yep, yep. Um, John, they were a very good bunch of owners in Chat, and they had a good little bond forming with him, and he was. I think he would win the Theo Marks on him mm. um, and maybe a listed race at Rose Hill or mm. something. But, um, yeah, he was, he, was, um, he was a good horse and lovely ride. And,
2: mm.
1: he and, yeah, he had a, his fair share of ability and it was obviously good to get stakes win on him. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, me old mate Count Darupi. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, we're getting to him. <laughs> Just <laughs> before we highlight the count, There's been one great positive for you through these long periods of inactivity and that's your metabolism. You don't stack on weight and you've been able to get back into the swing of it faster than most jockeys who've been out with injury.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, Yeah, I don't know how some of those boys do it when they come back from injuries or or anything, you know, it doesn't take much for them to put on the weight. But luckily enough, that's one thing that's on my side is my weight. I very rarely get over 52 kilos, mm. um, which is good. And um, yeah, I just—it must be so tough having to get that. Like some boys have to get 10, 15 kilos off sometimes. It's crazy. Okay.
0: Well, you've seen plenty of them.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure.
0: Count a rupee. You rode him in his first start, when second in a maiden at Kembla, But then because of some of the injuries we've been talking about, you didn't get back on him for a, a full year. Next yeah. time back, you ran third on him at Rosehill. You won a benchmark at Kembla. Regan Bayliss rode him into third place in the Silver Eagle. And then you were the jockey for his last eight starts. Tell me about the 2021 Golden Eagle which you had at your mercy until the last 20 or 30 metres when I'm Thunderstruck flashed up and grabbed you right on the line. Your heart must have been racing 100 metres out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was the longest 100 metres in my life. But, <laughs> mm. but, um, yeah, like. We knew he was just fully on song for that day and I knew how good he was. He was probably – people didn't really mark him that much. I thinking he was about 30 to 1 or something that day. And, mm. But we knew he was right on song and, um, yeah, he just – she was on the ball, jumped straight in the bridle and put oh. himself uh, one out, one back. Yeah. Stalking speed and I had the lovely just – peeled off the leader's heels, perfect run and balanced up. And I still think I might have just gone a fraction early, but, geez, Mm. everyone else says I didn't. Um,
2: Mm.
1: I just, you know, I sat on him for a long way. I sat on him until the probably 200 and and then started to let him extend. And I thought, I thought there's no way something can catch me the way I'm going. Mm. Um, And then bang, see, big. White nose of oh, I'm Thunderstruck and Huey Bowman. Here comes Huey. Here comes Huey. <laughs> here comes Huey and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can hear him little roars and just, yeah, and then you just seen the big white nose. I won't forget that. No, <laughs> he could Destruck really hit it. the
0: line that horse. I'm Thunderstruck. Yeah, a very, very,
1: very good turner for it. Yeah, he's yeah. a very good horse. And, um, oh, that was just another, it was awesome because. Golden Eagle prize money's ridiculous, and well, second prize money got,
0: wasn't too bad, was
1: it? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it yeah. was, it was bittersweet, so yeah. to speak. Um, so close, but you know you got to take what you what you get, and um, mm. yeah, it was still a great a great moment.
0: Mm. Three weeks after the Golden Eagle, you got the perfect consolation when Counter Rupee won the Gong on your home track. At Kembla Grange. Now, this was the day, Brock, I realised watching the race and watching replays subsequently that you're not a panicker. I mean, you were under a fair bit of pressure that day. Uh, it was a race you desperately wanted to win, you desperately wanted nothing to go wrong, and uh, it, you, it was the most composed ride in a big race. Uh, it, it rates right up with the most composed rides in recent history
1: yeah thank you that's a pretty big statement but um you're right I was under a fair bit of pressure but um you know it's just i don't even think the boys were going to go there with the horse you know he, he was probably on the on the borderline of, of the golden eagle was probably his grand final and, and he, mm. he, he might not have they, at that point they thought he might not have trained on that well, and um, it was just a sort of uh, we'll throw him in and see, and um, they were happy enough with him at home, and and yeah, so he we went there and come up favourite, obviously running second in the Golden E. We come up favourite, we drew barrier seventeen, mm. which is an ideal, <laughs> no. and um, yeah, it, it, obviously all the locals there supporting. Supporting me and the horse and and Rob and Robin Luke, so there's a fair bit of pressure build up, but um, yeah, it's just one of those things where you you look back and you say, how did that pan out like that? You know, oh, it
0: was perfect. You...
1: Slide across from barrier seventeen, you end up three yeah. back, one off the fence. Mm. Perfect drag into the straight, and it just all it just all aligned, and mm. and it was just a. Definitely the best day I've had on a racetrack, for oh, sure. Oh, of course.
0: Yeah. The cup, there'll
2: cup be lover, more, mate. couple of winners. And,
1: yeah. It'll
2: happen
0: again. There'll be yeah, more. Yeah, Don't yeah, worry.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. But
0: just at this stage, looking back, that was hmm. that was awesome. Now, Brock, just to quickly summarise Count of last preparation, he got lost down the Flemington Strait in the Newmarket and he's not the first Sydney horse to do that. He didn't race well on a bog track in the TJ Smith, he ran second in the hallmark to Kementari. Uh, Robin Luke took him to Brisbane where he won the Group 2 victory stakes at Eagle Farm. He failed on a heavy nine in the Doomben 10,000. He had a little freshen and then he ran fifth in the missile stakes. Now you were out with the shoulder injury when you heard he'd collapsed and died towards the end of a jump out at Kembla Grange. A dreadful time for Rob, Luke, for you, and all of the owners.
1: Yeah, yeah, very sad day. Like, yeah, look, they obviously Rob and Luke don't get many horses of his calibre very often. Um, he's definitely, definitely the best horse they've had, and you know, everyone was just riding the wave with it with Count de Ruby and. We knew he had so much more left in the in store, you know, like they'll aiming him at like an Everest preparation, but mm. you know, a lot down I reckon he had a lot of years left in his in his racing career and, and he would have been right at the top level the whole way through, no doubt. Um so yeah, it was a very sad day. So obviously died in a pretty tragic way, but um,
0: Tommy Berry was riding and Tom was unhurt.
1: Yeah. yeah. Tom was unhurt, yeah, um, he was going to take take up the rest of the preparation on him because I was going to be out. And, um, it was just one of those yeah one of those sad things that can happen in our industry sometimes, but mm. um, yeah, he was unhurt. Um, but yeah, it was very sad for everyone, obviously for his horse.
0: At the time you pulled up stumps for your shoulder surgery, you were riding for a wide range of trainers. And I'm sure that will apply again, especially when horses are down in the weights. You were getting to Randwick uh, once a week, maybe more, riding work for trainers like John Thompson and Les Bridge.
1: Yeah, yeah they've um, just formed a good association with with them too, along with a few other trainers but in Sydney. But um, yeah, I've just had a, a good thing going with John and, and Les for the last probably two years. Um, so I try and get up there at least once a week, which I'll continue to do now, now that I'm back and fit and going. Um, but, yeah, that John's just a really good supporter and very loyal too. You know, mm. you go up there and you do the work and, and he'll just put you on, whether it's, you know, a maiden at Ninger or a, a group group race in Sydney, he's just mm. loyal, he stick, stick by and use you wherever you, you go for him.
0: A lot of people have been asking after you, Brock, in the last couple of months and I know you're going to be welcomed back with open arms by punters, by owners and trainers and it's been great to catch up today. Great to chat on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thanks for your time.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: Many Australian trainers have tried their horses on Pride's Racing Cube and have given the product a tick of approval. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube's set recipe formulation means the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt-free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Pride's Racing Cube is available in the popular 25 kilo bag in bulk bags or straight into the silo if you prefer giving you quality equine nutrition at an economical price talk to your local rep about racing cube another winner from the pride's easy feed stable trainers of thoroughbreds standard breds, and performance horses are giving it the thumbs up all around the nation